Go along home and I shall wait for father, she told her mother and Cassandra, as they stood beside the ancient yew tree that clung to the west end of the church. Jane felt certain that a visiting clergyman, with leave to occupy the Austin pew, must be known to her father, and she expected Mr. Austin to make the necessary introduction. So it came as a surprise when she felt a tap on her shoulder and turned to face the stranger, who addressed her in a cheerful voice. Miss Jane Austen, if I am not mistaken. You are at an advantage, sir, said Jane. You know my name, but I do not know yours. Mansfield, Reverend Richard Mansfield, at your service, he said with a slight bow. But we have nearly met already. What can you mean, sir? Only that two days ago you emerged from the waving grain of Lord Wintringham's field, and stopped in your tracks when you spotted me reading on a stile, just outside Busbury Park. At the time, I conceived the idea that you were a rather dull and impetuous young lady. But I already begin to suspect that I may have been mistaken. His eyes twinkled in the morning sun as he said this, and his smile transformed from one meant for the general public to one that seemed to be reserved solely for Jane. I hope you will come to believe so, Mr. Mansfield. I have been accused of having many faults by those who know me well, but neither dullness nor impetuousness has been among them. And what faults do they accuse you of? My worst, or so I am told, are a too highly developed interest in fictionalising my acquaintances, and a tendency to form opinions of others hastily. Opinions such as the one you formed of me when you saw me alone with my book? You do me wrong, sir. You assume first that I saw you, second that I gave your appearance sufficient thought to form an opinion, and third that my opinion was ill-considered. In the first case, said Mr. Mansfield, I observed you myself, for though your mind may have been elsewhere, your eyes were certainly on me. In the second case, Your father tells me, somewhat to my surprise, that you aspire to write novels, so I can only assume that anyone you meet may become a victim of your imagination. And in the third case, it seems impossible that you would have guessed the extent to which our interests overlap. I confess that shared interest did not occur to me. I imagined you a student of natural history, reading... (laughs) But you will laugh when I tell you. I enjoy a good laugh, said Mr. Mansfield. I imagined you reading a book on garden slugs. Mr. Mansfield did laugh, long and heartily, before confessing the true nature of his reading. It may shock you, Miss Austen, but in fact I was reading a novel. A novel? You do shock me, sir. Do you not find novels full of nonsense? I myself find them the stupidest things in creation. Then you read novels? Novels! I'm surprised at you, Mr. Mansfield, suggesting that a young lady such as myself, the daughter of a clergyman no less, could occupy her time with such horrid things as novels. You tease me, Miss Austen. Indeed I do not, Mr. Mansfield, for though you know that I aspire to write novels, You cannot expect that I would take my interest in the form so far as to actually read them. 
Because Mr. Mansfield was old enough to be her grandfather, Jane took the bold step of adding a wink to this statement and turned toward the rectory. The congregation had dispersed, and only the sounds of birdsong and the breeze in the yew tree disturbed the silence of the morning. Jane was pleased when Mr. Mansfield fell into step beside her as she made her way up the tree-lined lane. With the summer sun now high in the sky, she was grateful for the cooling shade. Surely, Mr. Mansfield, your shortest route to Busbury Park lies in the opposite direction, said Jane. Indeed it does. But you are assuming again, Miss Austen. First, that I am staying at the park, and second, that I am taking my luncheon there. And my novelist's imagination has deceived me again? Not entirely, said Mr. Mansfield.